The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. We're live, pal. Hey, we're live, pal. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the A-Side Live Chat here on MMAFighters.com. I am, of course, Jose Youngs in beautiful, sunny, warm Arizona. Now, we have a special guest today, someone that I've wanted to get on for a long time. Probably, no, I would say not even probably. Definitely one of my closer friends on the, the scene, of the journalist scene, regardless of its MMA or regular sports media. But, Casey, I have a question for you. Oh, me? What? Yes. What knockout did Jorge Masvidal beat to get the fastest knockout in UFC history? Oh, uh, was it the Ludwig Ludwig and um, the guy with the color for hair? Yeah, seven seconds. That's what they want you to think. That's what they want you to think. That's not really it. Yeah, yeah. Sure, but what if I told you the fastest, the actual fastest knockout in UFC history is an EA UFC EA three <laughs> when Cody Garbrandt head kicks TJ Dillashaw in New York City just six seconds into the fight. I know our special guest has very fond memories of that. I'm sure he didn't know where I was going with that question, but joining <laughs> us this week is Danny Austin up in snowy, bitter freezing Calgary. What's up, Danny? Going on, guys. Uh yeah, that are we going to talk about that knockout? We're going to talk about it because I already tweeted the video saying we're going to talk about it. So people want to know the story. Got All right. Well, thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's good to have you on. <laughs> <laughs> the story is we, me, Danny, and Jim, Jim Edwards, were at the UFC 3 uh, demo. Remember they did the big presentation, Casey, in Madison Square Garden, where they like hey. unveiled everything. Demetrius Johnson was there, and we all got to play the demo. 
and they had a very limited number of fighters you could choose. Well, I beat Danny like five times in a row with Cody Garbrandt. He just kept head kicking him usually. And go ahead. What do you want to say, Danny? I just, it's worth noting, I do not play video games. Like, Clearly. I like, I had never played before. I, I mean, not that I've never played video well, games, but I've never played like an EA sport game. Coincidentally, um, neither have I because it was a demo. None of us have played this game. We were all the first people on planet Earth to play this game. Fair enough. Well, and as, as we learned, like, I'm not good at, at, at UFC. I've still never won a game. And I've played, like, I've had nights at Oscar's place just like drinking yeah. beers and playing a game for eight hours. I've never won a game. But yeah, I mean, the worst part about it was you were like, yo, it would be good if you let stop letting me kick you in the head and then immediately kicked me in the head. Yeah, and it's I, all on video on my Twitter. Danny goes, it would is like if I could stop you from kicking me in the head, I could probably win. And then six seconds into the game, I head kicked him and knocked him dead. It was a good time in my life. And then we got to go interview the late great Kobe Bryant, and then we did the body armor thing, and that was a eventful week in New York City. Was that was that George Bisping or was that mm-hmm. Yes, that was that was George St. Pierre, Michael Bisping. I know we're gonna talk about George St. Pierre moving forward. This is why I want wanted you on the show. But Danny, you're a Calgary son. Is that the Correct. Calgary Sun, Calgary Herald, yeah. So, and you are and the like, Stampede. Yes. Yeah, he, so right he, you you guys definitely know. Yes, you guys know Danny from his mixed martial arts coverage in Canada. He also does the Flames and the Stampeders. Is that the CFL team? Yeah. Yeah. So Danny's so, my go to guy for CFL information. I freaking love CFL. I think it's so much better than, uh, than National Football League. Canadian football is the best. Three downs. Canadian Football League is the is the most fun sport to cover it is. In, in, been, in the world. I've been to one. I've been to one game. I think I went to uh, Stan Peters game, and um, I remember like when the fourth quarter came around. I think the Stan Peters were down by like sixty points. I'm like, ah, oh, this game's over. I'm getting out of here. And then they come back and they actually won the game. They scored like eight touchdowns in fourteen seconds. I don't know how <laughs> it happened. And like, so I actually left the stadium. I came back in. And it was Canada. They just took my word. Like, do I have a ticket? They let me back in. So um, yeah, it was a great time. I, I, I don't know how. It's like kind of like rock and jock football, where you like if you throw a touchdown from a certain point in the field, you get like fifty points. I don't know. <laughs> it's awesome. It's not, but it's basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, no, I feel like every time because you guys came to Calgary for the uh, the Poirier Alvarez fight, and you ended up going Ooh. to like a puppy parade. Case oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I and, and all I did, I, I took, I just took pictures of other people's dogs. I have, I took at least about thirty or forty pictures. Just, I just, I saw cute dogs, and I go, hey, can I take a photo of it? And then I just got did a little fist pose of dog, and you uh, know, it was great. Man. <laughs> I walk around the city all the time, and that stuff's never going on. But yeah, <laughs> you make. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. I rise at my hotel. It was like a dog parade. I was like, this is great. <laughs> The, o- the only time I've ever been to Calgary, because obviously we have AK Lee up there, so he usually covers the sm- like the Fox cards and the ESPN cards. But when we did the Edmonton card case at UFC 248, <laughs> I had a two-and-a-half-hour layover in Calgary. And that is the most fascinating airport I have ever experienced <laughs> in my life. <laughs> it has, like, cross signs and cars driving around inside, like, don't walk, cross, all that kind of stuff. It is super bizarre. Yeah, I mean the whole thing with Calgary is it's an oil and gas town. So when yeah. oil and gas was booming, they had like too much money. So that airport <laughs> had, has just like the most ridiculous thing. Now there's no money here, so we just have this like not even particularly high tech. Like it's very Canadian, and it's like in oh. a way it's funny. 
Um, there's dinosaurs. There's all sorts of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's a wild. It is one of the more hideous, like, each gate <laughs> is not pretty at all. Like, it's just concrete and metal everywhere. And then it's, like, pretty to walk around. But, like, when you get to your gate, you're like, oh, God. I've set on, like, cement, like, blocks to wait for your flight. Anyway, we can make fun of Canada all we want. But you guys know the drill. Ask us your questions. We'll answer them. You can ask us on Twitter. You can ask us on the site. We can talk about whatever we want. I know there's Jesse Crystal Crew. I was going to say, Danny, since he's gone off the road for his Vegas, for his usual Vegas trips for the pay-per-views, has completely missed the Crystal Craze captivating the communities. Danny, it's worth noting that that's not th- true. The Go Crystal ahead. stuff was going on before COVID. And the only reason I'm not on the road is because I have to quarantine for two weeks if I come back in yeah. a hotel. Um, that's what I was going to say. No, you guys were talking about crystals way before. <laughs> way before <laughs> last March. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. We have, of course, Pizza okay. Carol's in January went all out on the Crystal Craze. But welcome. You can join us. Jessica, send Danny some crystals. I mean, I, I've got my Raptors championship ring. That's the closest I got. Ooh, oh, wow. wow. You guys wow. still don't know how to throw a parade. Oh, <laughs> we're not allowed <laughs> yeah. to throw parades. <laughs> America. In America, we throw parades. <laughs> yeah. That's a also, someone in the YouTube comments wants, every, wants Danny to know that the flames suck, apparently. I mean, I like that's a, that. That's. Not deep, true, but it's deep, valid. Deep, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I love Jerome McGinley growing up. He was one of my favorite non-Bruins players. But anyway, Casey, what is our first question from our illustrious do, do, listeners? Do, 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 do. First question, first question. Ah, let's talk about this week. Sneaky good matchup. UFC Vegas 19 from Tristan Gordet on the site to MMA Fighting. Who do you got in the heavyweight battle between Dawkins and Olenek? I think the matchup is sneaky good on the Saturday's Fight Night card. That is not the matchup I thought, but yes. Is it Chris or Kyle Dawkins? Which one is it? Chris. Chris Dawkins and Alexi Olenek. Chris Dawkins won on Fight Island. He has phenomenal boxing at heavyweight. Alexi Olenek, of course, is Alexi Olenek, one of the premier grapplers in the heavyweight division. Both very undersized for heavyweight. Casey, initial thoughts on this heavyweight matchup that is apparently going to steal the show. Anytime Olenek fights, I'm excited, and I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> he just like this. I don't know. He just looks like this. He looks like he kind of his. I don't know. He looks like he absolutely looks like a fighter from like a video game, but like he's like this really nice guy, and but then all he all he really can do is like just throw these hammers, and he'll just like squeeze your head like this. You just kind of he lies on top of you and just just squeezes his arms together and you die so uh um yeah and he's like he's like 200 years old he has like 3,000 fights so yeah this is gonna be great um and um i don't know about very much about chris Dawkins. um he's the cop right he's like the boston cop yeah um yeah yeah. yeah. cool fight yeah it's not the it's not the heavyweight fight i thought people were gonna be talking about but that's (laughs) not yeah but um yeah Got, got, you know, got, you know, Chris Dawkins, you know, fan club, you know, wants to talk, wants to talk about him. Sure. I believe he walks out to Fox on the run too, which is a very underappreciated walkout song. It is. And yeah. I just think yeah. we need guys who don't look like Kamara. Like, I mean, in terms of just like the muscles everywhere, like yeah, I, yeah. I want guys who look <laughs> yeah. like, like a dad who can beat me up in the UFC. And like, both of these guys are dad botted out. Both of these yeah. guys. Yeah. And, yeah. I like that. 
I don't know much more to Alexio, add. I mean, I, Alexei Olenek yeah. is the first fighter in UFC history, or the first fighter on on the current UFC roster that fought in four decades: the '90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and then he fought on the first card of 2020. So he fought; he's fought in four decades professionally, which is just saying, bananas to me. Yeah, that sounds like like anecdotal, and then you really think about it, and that's actually insane. He also had a lot of thoughts on when we interviewed him last January on the Connor card. It was right around when Russia got the ban for the World Cup and the Olympics because of the doping situation they had. And I was like, you know, Russia is very they 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 take their national like their national heroes very seriously. Obviously, you could see how fate like popular Habib is. I was like, added pressure. And my God, he talked to me for about twenty minutes on just that topic. Which is amazing because were you there in the scrum when I asked Habib? Like, I four did. Years ago now? Um, yeah, he killed you with his stare. Yeah, he like, it's probably top two most uncomfortable interviews I've ever had. The other was what, what was his name? Khalil <laughs> like, Roundtree. Khalil Roundtree. Yeah, Roundtree just hated me, and we couldn't figure out why. And he really just like he hated me specifically, <laughs> not my questions. Just didn't like me. Uh, I yeah. I love I love asking Habib questions that he clearly didn't want to answer or he's already answered 6,000 times and he'll just give you that stare. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, man. Like, like yeah, you can, like, like you can see him, him like, just in pounding, March, your, like, pounding we, you in his brain. It's just it's great. When when we – so Ali had – Abdelaziz has his, had his dominance media day last March with all of his, his stable of fighters. And this is when Habib was still scheduled to fight Tony Ferguson – in Brooklyn, uh, no, we yeah we interviewed March. They were supposed to fight in April, and this is right when COVID started to kind of hit America. And the day of the Dominance Media Day is when New York put out a state of emergency. And I asked him, I go, so New York just put out a state of emergency, and he basically told me to shut up and not talk about <laughs> it. And then look what happened: the fight got canceled anyway, and then moved to the Middle East because they couldn't hold the event. Like so, I was like, it was it was as Mark Raimondi says, it's a legitimate question. Uh, yeah. poor, poor Habib. I mean, obviously, you mean he, it, the. What did you ask him, Danny? I asked him. I was like, given that all these Russian athletes have been oh, yeah. have been banned, basically, like, do you feel on some level like there's almost more responsibility representing Russian athletes and being a good example of what Russian athletes, you know, can be? Um, and that's not necessarily a question you ask three days before a fight. To be fair, like I, I, I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that I don't have six amateur fights, so I'm not qualified to actually be a professional <laughs> drama. Uh, two, three. Um, but like that is one of those ones where you learn like there are questions you ask out of fight week and questions you ask in fight week. But yeah, it, it was like it, it, it would have been interesting if he'd had thoughts on it, but he didn't. And he didn't like me. <laughs> he got get, real upset. Get in line. That. Get in line. That was also you. That was UFC 205, right? Or was that Brooklyn? Yeah. I think one that was five. Yeah, so like he was pissed that he wasn't even getting the title shot that week anyway. Anyway, yeah. Four Corner Sports New York on Twitter. What is your sleeper fight for UFC 259? 259. Ooh. Is UFC 259 is the three title fights at the top. Dominic Cruz is on the prelims. Uh, Sean Brady, Jake Matthews, uh, Ooh, Kai Joe, France. Joe B. Ratchik Santos. Yeah, uh, Ratchik Santos. Brady Matthews. Tim like Elliott. Ratchik so there's Santos. some... Yeah. So do does I. Does that count? Like so Diego do Santos. Does that count as yeah. a sleeper fight? I mean, like, no. I think that's a good pick. I think that's a good pick. Yeah, I mean, like, 
Diego Santos has just been doing the same thing for so and like by the same thing I mean like being amazing <laughs> maybe not an amazing fighter but his fights are always amazing so so that's it that's that fight's unbelievable this card is unbelievable how is this card My the same amount of money has the pay-per-view this week last weekend like, that's just wild like I mean, good, but <laughs> no. My, my sleeper would be on the prelims. We got Song Yedong and Kyler Phillips. I think that fight absolutely rules. Kyler Phillips kind of got real popular after his Fight Island performance because he got the cornrows and the beard, so people call him Mini Mazudal. And he walks out. He has his hands behind his back. I don't think he's trying to do it, but he also fights and trains in Arizona, so he kind of flies the Arizona flag like pretty prominently. Um, I've, oh, Islam Makachev and Drew Dober is a freaking scrap too i forgot that fight was on the card my god like i, I like i know casey said it jokingly but how is this the same amount of money like, i know is, <laughs> i know like, looking at it cool. if you <laughs> if you cut off the main card because as of right now i assume dominic cruz casey kenny is the featured prelim like that's an amazing espn card if you just even just cut out the main event it's still a great espn card I'm a, I'm gonna yeah, be, be a bit of a rain on the parade type guy, real quick. But how many fights are on this card right now? Like thirty. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. So I'm looking at the, tap, the topology page right now, and right now at the you know at the very bottom at the, at the they have all the fights. They always have you know the canceled or fizzled bouts. And yeah, if you go yeah. to any previous UFC card, you're going to see four or five fights canceled almost every time due to COVID. Right now, at least according to topology. None of these fights are off due to COVID. I don't think if this card goes down as is, this could be the first UFC card in, in the pandemic that hasn't lost a fight due to COVID. So that's yeah. extremely good news. And also, we're still a few weeks away. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, uh, but, but right now it looks great. It looks great. <laughs> Carlos Alberg on the first fight of the night, that's Israel Adesanya's main training partner. Fun fact, he turned down a spot. I believe this is the story. Uh, I don't know if he was going to be on the show or he was the like the guy. He, I think he was supposed to be the bachelor in New Zealand, like the bachelor. And then like 20 know. women would fight for his attention. And then he's like, no, I want to be a fist fighter. So I interviewed him in uh, Fight Island. Super, super nice guy. Uh, body fat is probably close to 1%. So yeah, that dude is looks looks good getting off the bus, as they say in the business. Did you Can I ask, then Kennedy? Is, is March, go ahead. Is March Madness canceled? Like, why is this card as stacked as it is? Is it? I well, think. Well, there's no. I don't March, know the. Brief. Oh yeah, March Madness. Yeah, I forgot about that. It's usually it's usually <laughs> in the second half. I don't I don't think March Madness would be starting at this time anyway. Usually it's like the second, maybe halfway through the second week of March, and kind of dip feet like. Flows into April, but I don't know this March Madness situation off the top of my head. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just they generally I, like a lot of these big cards align with when like there's not anything directly in competition with it, right? Like, well, the last July. March, last March's card was Adesanya, Romero, Whaley, and Joanna, and then before that, I know they want it was uh, uh, Cyborg, Yana, and Frank Edgar fought Brian Ortega, supposed to be Frank Edgar Holloway. And I had the Sugar Sean show. And so that was a good card. And then UFC 209. Ortega and, uh, and Frank, Edgar. that was in Detroit. No, that that you're thinking Detroit? about, no, that was in Las Vegas. Was it? You're yeah, thinking of Jose, Jose Aldo fought Max Holloway in Detroit. Yeah. And then that was Francis and, uh, Overeem and 
Yeah, and it had Eddie and Gaethje and Cejudo Pettis, and like that was a was some good scraps on that card. And then UFC 209 was uh, Woodley and Thompson, but the original co-main event was Ferguson and Habib before that. Before Habib, that was when Habib uh, got rushed to the hospital, like the day of the yeah. weigh-ins. So like those were originally March cards are historically really really high quality. Just they don't, as Casey says, they don't always stay the same by the time fight yeah. night comes around. Yeah, so and, and this card's early March. So if like the March Madness, as far as like the big the big you no know, conference, the final four games, that won't happen until the end of March anyway. April. Yeah, like usually April. April. Oh, is it, does, it, yeah. does it go all the way to April now? Okay. It dips into April because now March Madness used it didn't have so many rounds because now there's like like there's a ton of playing games now. Like if you're this, there's supposed to be 64 teams in March Madness, but if you're the 69th best team, that you're allowed to like, like you win this game, then you can go into the tournament. Like they have those one-off games a lot now because it's all TV rights. But Duke and Kentucky suck. So yeah. Take that amateur basketball. Players. No, they really do. I think it's like the first time in God knows how long that neither is ranked, which is crazy. MMG 2K20 on the side. Dana at Dana at the Barbers. That's the headline. Of, that's the subject of oh this God. question. Props to that. I like it. I, get I have it. respect. I get it. Yeah, the fact that Dana gave props to Macy Barber after a loss and spoke about her still becoming the youngest champion in the UFC makes me think he will somehow find a way to get a title shot before the deadline. Also, concerning Dana's rocky relationship with John Jones, do you think he will try to make this happen? And also, honest opinion on the 8K cameras. 8K is obviously in quotes. Um, yeah, so I asked Dana. I started – if you watch the press conference, I started with, so Alexa Grosso, and then Dana cut me off and says, she looked awesome. Macy Barber is a gangster, though, and then started talking about Macy Barber. And my question was going to be about Alexa Grosso, and he just took the Macy Barber ball and ran with it. Danny, what did you make of uh, Dana's infatuation with Macy Barber's quest to become the youngest champion in UFC history? I mean, it's pretty pointless, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, all right moving I, on <laughs> no, 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 but got like, it no, no, it's happened at this point and like, there's nothing wrong with her like becoming the fourth youngest champion if that's how it plays out but like the idea she has what 10 months now <clears throat> and she hasn't been the like top 10 yeah and coming off two so, losses now in a row yeah like what like what, I, not what are we talking about but like what is dana talking about like it, it, i i respect the question and i i don't I'm sure they'd love to have someone younger than John Jones win the championship, but like it's not going to happen. So um, she has to beat someone, and with all due respect to Alexa Grasso, she has to beat someone better than that. So I just like good for Dana. He may want it, but like even Dana White doesn't always get what he wants, and it's not happening. Right, and I think Alexa Grasso is not the most. She's not the biggest fan favorite and the people that like watch her fight because I saw on Twitter a lot of people wanted her to lose and were basically throwing Ra- a parade. Rasa? When oh, Gra- Barber. No, Barber. Barber. Oh, Barber when Barber lost, people basically threw a parade because it was uh, – she had the beef with – the very weird feud with Paige where she kept trying to pick a fight with Paige Van Zant, And before that, she kept trying to pick a fight with uh, um, Mackenzie Dern. Like she was trying to – pick her opponents before she even had a UFC fight. And then did not, none of those fights happened. She got the Roxanne fight. And Casey, you and I talked about this backstage at the fight. And actually, Dan, you were at the fight too. It was the Connor card. Macy Barber was a minus a thousand favorite against Roxanne Modafar, <laughs> which we were all just like, that is insanity to, to us. And then she lost, blew her knee out. And then she came back and 
she hits really hard. Like every time she punched Alexa Grosso, you could tell that hurt. But she was also throwing punches from like seven feet away at times, which uh, I think by the third round, the UFC commentators finally cute picked up on. But anyway, Casey, you're the camera guy. What do you think of the 8K cameras? Um, It looked like someone put on the portrait filter on your iPhone. It it it, did, it didn't look good. I didn't like it. Um, they weren't the uh, the eight K thing. I don't know what. I, what is this? Is that is that something DC said eight K? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know. What DC. DC's gimmick on the broadcast is he doesn't know things that he doesn't know terminology <laughs> things like like when Dan Hardy starts talking about history for whatever reason, Daniel Cormier would be like, "Well, I've never heard of Attila the Hun," and then like stuff like that. It goes, "What is this eight K?" Like he's basically the dad. Like he just doesn't know. So, yes, AK is a Daniel Cormier. Term. Okay, uh, I, I can't. It was, um, it was amazing how many like MMA media Twitter people just spent like half an hour talking about how much they loved it. Like it was really? unbelievable. I, just, I thought it. Was, it's, I thought it looks. It looks I really it was cool good for a bit as a gimmick. It was cool, but like. As a right. feature in these broadcasts, I don't think it's necessary. I, I don't think it adds anything. I kind of tell you why I didn't like it. Um, first of all, ma- mainly because um, you see, like, has all these cameras around the cage. They kind of use like they use like B roll cameras, and they'll shoot the little kind of from the from the low angle, and you'll see them in the promos and the uh, the you know highlight reels and stuff. But not, they're not the broadcast cameras. But this camera was different. It, it looked like the it was like a f- it was like a fake. A fake out of focus, where you know, in a good yeah. camera, things kind of gradually go out of focus. So if something's say two feet behind you, it's slightly out of focus, and something is way in the distance, it's very out of focus. But in that camera, if it was if it was this far behind you or this far behind you, it looked, it looked kind of the same out of focus, which kind of give it, gives it everything that weird artificial um, artificial artificial blur, which you see a lot on um, you use the iPhone, you put the portrait mode on or whatever, you you can get the same feeling. So I was like, it just looked weird, and the wide angle, and 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 like half the shots like out of focus too. It was bouncing focus. Like yeah. as soon as like someone's shoulder came in the shot, it would it would you you could see it kind of changes focus all the time, and it was very and it was very disrupting to the eyes because you know, you look at this one shot and then they'll switch over to the to the regular camera, yeah. then everything's in focus, and you switch back to that camera, and it was kind of it's just it's just weird, and a lot of time it was just um, overexposed. You know, it's like um, just from camera stuff, you know how their shoulders and the, the highlights on them were just like really blown out. It just, the colors didn't match a lot. I mean, I, I applaud change, you know, and trying to improve the product, but uh, yeah, it's, um, it looks really, really good when you're in a giant football field, when there's like a lot of like, there's green and there's sky and there's fans and there's like all the colors in the background. Like, yeah. cause they, they normally use it for, when the players run onto the field and like it's a it's a dark like like compact shot and then it just opens up or they they what they were doing in college football is they would key on one player so you would have like a three minute continuous shot following this guy but it was like really close that was awesome don't know why they need it for bruce buffer introductions for every single fight yeah can i ask with that like note like casey would it be better in a full arena for UFC, like with the crowd in the background, do you think it would look better? Only, yeah, it would look better, uh, but not the not the way the UFC shoots things, honestly. Because if like even when they had a full crowd, the way they everything just kind of like as soon as the cage ends, everything just kind of falls black. Like say if it was like more yeah. like a big boxing event 
where they light the crowd yeah. and everything. You can, you know, you can see people, you know, you can actually see faces a few rows back. It would look better. It would look better for a full crowd, but even if it, the way the UFC lights it, no. But maybe just for like the walkouts, like the long tunnel walkouts, like things for yeah. that, maybe. But hmm. in general, when they kind of went to it, went away from it, and then in, in between, like when they went to it in between, um, in between rounds, like to see what the corners are saying, that was just a weird time to go to it. Because like I don't, I, I want, I want to see the coach's face. I don't need everything out of focus. I don't know. I just, uh, you, you have to be very picky. You have to be very choosy when you use a camera like that. And they were just kind of. Well, we paid for it. We're gonna use it as much as we want, you know. Well, like, I think it's an ESPN camera, so I think it was it was probably an ESPN call. <laughs> so like ESPN has these 8K cameras, so they want UFC, to use them. U- UFC controls that production. U- those are UFC directors, oh, right. UFC camera guys, everything. I mean, it's a U- uh, it's yeah. I liked um, the la- the last big change I saw was Dan. Did you cover the early <laughs> Fox Sports cards? Um, I mean, like not in person. Well, well, like okay, perfect. Actually, that's perfect. Um, remember when they added the camera that was level with the, oct- the the octagon canvas? Casey, do you remember when they when the UFC added that camera that was like right level with the canvas? So when it was grappling, it was like yeah. right. You're looking right at there. it like it's right in front of your eyes. I liked that change a lot because like when when someone would punch, the camera would shake because <laughs> it was like resting on the thing. So I was a big fan of that. That was like the last major change. I saw. Also, I found out. Do you remember when I messaged you guys on Slack, Casey, that there was supposedly a big, like a big thing for Connor's walkout for the Poirier fight? That oh, yeah. they apparently just so they didn't do it. And this is what I heard. I heard I from thought, a few I thought there people. Were some I don't drones. know. If they had some drones. No. So this oh. is what happened, and this is what this <laughs> is why I heard this from a few people, but I've not heard it from anyone. I think that would be in like an official word on it. Is Danny? You watched it through the broadcast, Casey. You watched through the broadcast. You see all the drones when for the introduction for the pay per view. So, like, welcome, we're on the pay-per-view of UFC. Apparently, those completely shot the in, the Wi-Fi in the arena because it just, like, blocked all the internet. Yeah, yeah. Which is why we lost internet in backstage. They didn't play Bob O'Reilly in the introduction because the drones just messed everything up. It, like, it caused all the, like, the things that are wireless yeah. to just go haywire. The so they just scrapped it for Connor's paper, Connor and Poirier's entrance. That's it. That's that makes that, that actually makes a lot of sense because you know every, every time um, you know normal media days pre pandemic the uh, the UFC sound guy would always come back to the media st- media area and go like who's yeah. got a wireless mic back here you're <laughs> you know I'm like it's that guy <laughs> and like I, I, I see these the, new reporters trying to use wireless mics like dude you're gonna yeah, get kicked yeah. out man I'm telling you man I ain't gonna snitch man but I'm just saying. <laughs> That happened to the Mo backstage for the Arizona card. He had to like the camera, like the camera guy came in and like basically threw his microphone away. The only time, yeah. like the cam, the the sound guy in the, on the Milwaukee card, he goes, "All right, you have to turn it off between interviews, but I'll let you keep it." He's the only one that's let me keep it. He was being generous. But he was I, being nice. Yeah, he was being very nice. Anyway, I digress. What is our next question? Thank you for the question, Energy Two K Twenty. I like that question. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. 
Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Daniel Pompilio on Twitter. How does Gilbert Burns get another title shot? He had Usman out in the first round so close. So, Danny, how does Gilbert Burns fight his way back to a title shot? I think he actually laid it out in his post. He did. Right? Like, you just go and you win and you win a bunch of fights. Like, you take the Robbie Lawler route. It's the only way to do it. Um... And I mean, like, we're seeing it a middleweight. Like, look, if you lose the belt or you lose a title shot, all you can do is go win. And, like, the nice thing about headlining a UFC pay-per-view is your next fight, whether you won or lost, is going to be pretty big. So I think it's a pretty easy path back. You just have to go get in the octagon and fight and win. And win two, three fights this year, and you're right back in the mix. I agree. He did, like, I'm glad you brought up the Robbie Lawler part because those were his words exactly, right? Like, he wants to, yeah, he wants to take I'm, that path. Yeah. Who? It's but, the it's the only but, good but who, path back. But who who is the last person? Who is the last challenger to lose Francis. the title? Francis. How many wins did he need? Three or four, and they were all knockouts. Within within like two seconds, too. <laughs> I think his longest one was like I think his longest one was like a minute fifteen or something like that. Unfortunately, I feel for Mr. Burns. Is while yes, winning solves everything. I don't know how many he will have to win. He might ha- like he might have a tougher route to get the belt back than say like Kamaru will have actually defending the belt. If that makes sense, like that, I think like, it's also like, it's also tough because because like, he just doesn't, he doesn't move the needle. I mean, it has nothing to do with Gilbert Burns. Well, unfortunately, that's also just, look at the top five at welterweight that none of them have fought each other outside of Usman and Masvidal. Like they're like it's it's like that's the current situation with Welter. Like Covington hasn't fought Edwards. Covington hasn't fought Masvidal. Masvidal hasn't fought. Well, I guess he has fought Wonderboy, but he's sitting a six. Like no one is fighting each other because they're all trying to get the Masvidal, the Covington, and the Nate Diaz fights. And I think Gilbert Burns is just like, f it, I'll fight six through fifteen to get through it. So it's going to be an interesting. Well, but his, his move may be then Leon Edwards, right? Like Leon's the guy who no one wants to fight because he doesn't have a huge name. Go just yeah. fight Leon Edwards. That fight's going to be available to you if you want it. Um, it's, it's yeah, that's going to. It just depends on if Edward, it depends on if Leon wants it because Leon's kind of angling for this Kobe Covington fight now, and then he just called out Nate Diaz, and then he just told Kamara Usman, "See you soon." So, it's it is like Gilbert's in a rough situation, like Casey said. Yeah, and and I and I think the timelines uh, don't work out with because I think Kobe um, Burns is going to be at least three four months, I would assume. Also, at least. Let's not f- and then I know and, let- and Leon wants to fight, I think, before that. So yeah. let's not forget like when 
Lawler lost to Hendricks for the vacant title, and then he went on that run. Johnny Hendricks got hurt. So it, for Johnny Hendricks, it was Lawler, Lawler. For Lawler, it was Hendricks, Ellenberger, Matt Brown, Hendricks. So, like, he had to fight two more while Hendricks was recovering. So when Hendricks came back from retirement, Robbie Lawler basically knocked off the two next contenders right there. For and the first fight was then, great. And, and, and the I, first fight was unbelievable. One of the fight of the yeah, years. I, I, think a, I think a lot of people had Lawler winning that fight, you know. And a lot of um, people – and it's, 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 I think it's a missed opportunity. They never did the, the rubber match. Yeah. Uh, but same as same as Shogun Machida, they never did Shogun Machida rubber match, and I thought both fights were awesome. Uh, and then in Francis's case, it's Stipe and DC basically tied up that division for so long that Francis just kept fighting the next number one contender and not like beats Curtis, but get, loses to Derek Lewis in probably the worst fight in the history of worst UFC Coleman. Be, be, between yeah. el- between elite fighters, yeah, probably yes. the worst fight between, between elite fight, elite. top three between top three opponents, worst fight ever. But there were reasons uh, also for that. There were guys reasons. who are good every other time. Every yeah. other time, yeah. those guys fight. That's why it's it's such an anomaly, and I have no problem if they ever run, like they want to run that back at any point because it's probably not going to be different anyway. No, you, uh, and then for, you think it'll they, be the same? So he, okay, go. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so he beats Curtis Blades in in Beijing in a fight that everyone thought he would lose because Curtis because you know Curtis like he lost two in a row. Yeah. Curtis Blades just murking people, uh, knocks him out in like thirty five seconds, and then. J- for whatever reason, they feed Cain Velasquez to him. Cain Velasquez hasn't fought in like three years. He loses. Decapitates Junior Dos Santos. And then he goes, all right, I should get a title shot right now. And then he goes, F it. I'll stay active and fight Jair Zinho, who's a hor- like the boogeyman of the division at that point. Just broke over his face and half. And then beats him in like 30 seconds. So it's like – and all in that time, Stipe and DC have coached tough – gotten hurt had eye surgeries and so yeah francis just continued to stay active the francis story is amazing too because it also involved like i don't know has dana ever criticized someone as badly as he that press conference where he was like this guy's gone arrogant his whole team hates him he's terrible like do you remember when dana just ripped francis I do. and then francis's coach i won't say who but like wrote a reporter i was sitting with and it was like yeah it's true <laughs> like damn like yeah. Well, his coach, Fran, uh, Ferdinand, actually did an interview like this year or like late last year where he basically echoed the same thing Dana White said. He just kind of forgot about his team and everything. So uh, that was the – and then the Boston cars when Danny Austin asked to, had to ask the relevant <laughs> question about the towels that get, still gets brought up to this day. <laughs> the story there is like <laughs> – my buddy who like was an amateur boxer, but like wrote me during the press conference and was like, yeah, why, uh, why were Francis's team putting towels over him in between rounds instead of ice? That's terrible. And for some reason, I have no idea why it had been a long week, but I just like raised my hand, got it and just asked Francis. And like, it's the closest I've ever come to a team just beating the shit out of me. (laughs) They were so mad at me. Yeah. But it's still referenced. Yeah. You also asked, Francis about his uh, Cameroonian outfit in Detroit, and there was some confusion there too. Well, he said it's not Cameroonian; it's African, and then came up to me afterwards and said, "Just so you know, it is Cameroonian." <laughs> but he wanted to, he wanted to represent all of Africa publicly, not just Cameroon. So, so into the to the public, he made Danny feel like an idiot, and then behind yeah. the scenes, he's like, "No, you were right." And I was, Danny was yeah. like, "Why did you say that?" I know. I have oh, a long Francis. problem. 
I like that guy. I like that guy. So, uh, <laughs> that guy a lot. <laughs> 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 ah, it is worth noting with the towels. Like I've sent you interviews in the last what couple months where yeah. Francis talks yeah. about the towel. Like it is like it was a weird thing. <laughs> from another question from Four Corner Sports NY on Twitter. I know Usman said he wouldn't fight Habib, but is that a fight Habib would take for the welterweight title? And how do you see that result ending? No, and I don't know how it would end, but that fight's not going to happen. Usman and Habib aren't fighting at all. Uh, Habib seems pretty con- like if he's not going to fight Georgia welterweight, he's not going to fight Kamara Usman at welterweight. They're both managed by Ali. Uh, Habib has said his goal is to become the lightweight champion, the undisputed champion, become the greatest lightweight champion ever. So he wants to fight a lightweight. But we're going to use that to Danny. As a Canadian, what do you make of this George St. Pierre, as you put it, slander in the headlines lately? Okay. So before oh, I start, I want to have the big cash <laughs> because I feel like when you in any way some say anything that takes away from Usman, people like get up or some people get upset. Some people think I'm a Colby Covington fan or something. I'm not. I love Kamaru Usman. I think he's an incredible fighter, all that. Can we just pause on the go talk for one second? Um, like just, just one second. Like George St. Pierre defended the belt, what, 12 times? Like just go through the list of guys who he beat. Let Usman earn that comparison. We don't have to do it yet. Like, I know it's Dana White's job to do it, but if you are not Dana White and your job is not to actively promote the UFC product and it's the next fight, there's no reasonable argument that Kamaru Usman's accomplishments up to this point are equal or even particularly close to what George St. Pierre accomplished. It's just not an argument. Um, We can have that argument after three more title defenses. Let's do it. Of course, let's do it. But... This is George St. Pierre we're talking about. I mean, we've got to have some respect for history here. That would be my argument. And, like, George St. Pierre is clearly the greatest welterweight of all time. And if he's not the greatest UFC fighter of all time, he's two or three on that list. Kamaru Usman is not there, and it's okay to say that without diminishing what he has accomplished. That's my argument. Well, I agree with everything you said. I think – where would you put Kamaru in the annals of welterweight champions? I have George being the greatest fighter ever. I think if John Jones wins the heavyweight title, I think that's enough to propel him as the greatest. But as of right now, in 2020, this day, I have George greatest. But in welterweight, what is, where would you put Kamaru? Um, so, I guess what? George won. Do we go Matt Hughes, too? Presumably? I think three, two, three, four is Hughes, Woodley, and Usman in some – order i don't care what yeah what and i think orders, I have but have at this point i like i i think so i probably have woodley three uh or sorry i have Usman three um and pretty close at this point to matt hughes it's just matt hughes aged out a little bit so he has the end of his career isn't as good hmm. as you know it, it takes away from it it's a little bit like anderson silva right like or B, yeah bj penn I mean, too yeah are you talking careers? You're talking primes? You're talking certain eras? I mean, it, it's so weird when you talk about fighters because you, now we can't talk about BJ Penn in the same sense. You have to talk about eras of BJ Penn. Yeah. So, uh, but GSP is kind of he, much like Habib is kind of one of those one of those fighters where like he had one good era, you know. Yeah. So that's a so that's why uh, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's different. Yeah. And I think it, 
it's beating the guys in here. Dan Tom sent a tweet yesterday being like, here are all the guys George beat who either became UFC champions, were UFC champions, or strike force. And it's like eight or nine guys. Like it's Condit, Diaz, Hendricks. Like you just go through the list. It's just guy after guy. So he beat all of the dominant fighters and like guys who had belts in various organizations. Like I just think the quality of competition within his era, like obviously Kamara Usman at this point is probably better than George was in 2010, just based on the sports evolved. You, you, you know, they learn new tricks, all of that. Like in terms of physically being a fighter, mm-hmm. this version of Usman probably beats that version of George, but it's how you compare to the other guys in your yeah. era and what you accomplish within that window and, and, and for me, I don't I don't think we're there yet with Usman. But I do. He's the first guy in a long time who I think has any shot of getting there. I thought Woodley had a great shot because if you're talking about resumes, like look at Woodley's resume, like Paul Daly, Koscheck, Condit, Gastelum, crushed Lawler, fought Stephen. Like the first Stephen Thomas fight in like for what say what you want about the second fight. The first fight was awesome in MSG Amazing. and it was a draw. Right. And it was right. a draw. Yeah. Damian Maya, Darren Till, like. Tyron Woodley's resume is phenomenal. And then he just fought Usman Burns and Covington and lost 15 straight rounds. Like, but those are the top three at welterweight right now. So uh yeah. two for the me Roy is McDonald, Woodley. The Roy McDonald yeah. loss hurts Woodley a little bit, his claims, yes, I does. will argue. Yeah. But yeah. But I mean, Roy McDonald was also like they were the two guys on the ascendancy. It's if Roy hadn't shattered his nose into oblivion, we might have gotten a rematch there. At some point, which yeah, fun. and and uh, Tyron speaks about that fight a lot. Where he he knew if he beat Ro- uh, Rory, he would have got a title fight, his first title fight, and he was looking at that and just completely was not focused on Rory. And like he speaks yeah. about that fight a lot as like a big changing of his mindset. But yeah, uh, snapped like d- decapitated Josh Koscheck and it snapped Carlos Condit's leg in half. Uh, the Jake Shields loss was a split. That is what it is. But uh, yeah, Tyron Woodley is I, to me. It's Woodley or Usman is two in my mind in terms of like greatness. Probably Matt Hughes, but in terms of talent, it's was Usman or Woodley right right now. Anyway, let's not forget Neil Magny getting real close to most wins all time at welterweight. It's amazing, isn't it? Well, yeah, I feel I feel odd. The Woodley Woodley comparisons are weird because I feel like uh, much like uh, um. Uh, maybe like Anderson, Woodley's kind of uh, his resume. He kind of he aged out of his prime. I mean, like everyone does. So, are, are we going to count these last fifteen round or twenty five rounds he's lost or whatever as part of that whole kind of his whole career? You know, or is like you know at some at some point you talk about Anderson, you just don't count these fights anymore. You know, I wonder where we kind of stop that with Woodley. Um. But uh, the Anderson, the Anderson thing too is, I think he lost to Derek Bronson, like mm-hmm. that's his last official win, and if you count that, he's lost. I'm counting at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's a nine fight streak of no wins because the Nick Diaz technically was a win too, but it was overturned, so it's rough. But someone made a good point on Twitter where they still put Anderson as the greatest like top three fighters ever, not because of talent or resume, but because he loses and he he doesn't just like fade away. He wants to keep continuing and he tries to bounce back. And the fights aren't bad. Like they like I him fighting Daniel Cormier on 48 hours notice. Like it's one of the craziest. craziest <laughs> it's so thing. impressive to me. And I asked like him he was not in camp. Well, and it showed. <laughs> 
It wasn't a great fight, but it was an insane thing to do. Yeah, what did Donna Cerrone say about that fight? I can't remember. Um, Never mind. What did who? (laughs) Donna Cerrone. He had had, had a critique about that fight. I can't remember. Oh, yes. I forgot. Yeah. Not great. Not great. Not one of the many things that aren't great about what he's said and allegedly said. But, um, anyway, Danny, I like what you said though about um, how even though you think GSP is the greatest watchway ever, but at the same time, if you know if you had a time machine and took that prime GSP versus prime Usman, I still think Usman wins if they face face head to head. But it doesn't matter because you kind of in prize fighting, especially you kind of you talk about the errors and the people they had to fight in that time. I think like it's across sports. Goat conversations are hard because athletes get better over time. Mm -hmm. Like the Jordan LeBron thing, go put LeBron James in 1995 and he crushes everybody. Like there's no, there's no question there. He is just a superior physical athlete right now, but that's not what we're talking Mm -hmm. about when we talk about goat, which makes it really difficult and should make it interesting. If people on Twitter just stop yelling at each other and call (laughs) each other, calling each other names like to actually like break it down why do we have twitter then danny (laughs) oh i have twitter so i can't yell at people and call each other names okay well i want to have good simple conversations get out of here man (laughs) take that to canada (laughs) (laughs) nice guy um but like for all that i disagree with dana about like he's right that covington usman like i think that fight just you know, it gains in my estimation the further we get from it. It was an amazing fight to be there at the time, but like that fight was incredible and did signal something. The Masvidal fight, like Usman thought that the only way he could fight that fight without risking anything. Like, and there's there's elements of that that that's also what George did. Like once he realized what how to dominate guys and protect his mm-hmm. his belt, that's how he fought. And there may be fights that people don't like with Usman. That certainly didn't happen against Burns. He looked pretty incredible and fought through some adversity. But yeah, Usman's amazing. But like, it's worth it for this sport as it grows historically and grows in like our understanding of what guys mean in history, not just to like, just to remember that Dana, it benefits his company and his bottom line to talk about Usman as the greatest of all time right now. Like, it, and we don't have to do that. Remember the, oh. this? We we were talking about this backstage, Oscar Willis and I, after Usman won, and I think there are some pretty, like it. There are significant parallels to Woodley's rise and Usman's rise right now, where Woodley has this epic fight against uh, against Stephen Thompson, like uh, the first fight, and it's it was a, it won fight of the night and this and that, and that's like Kamara and Colby Covington, and then he has two fights, and then he has like a fight that is not the greatest in terms of like fan reception. So like that was the Masvidal Usman fight. And then the same thing with Woodley had the Maya and the rematch with Steven Thompson where they were not well received by the fans. And then he goes out there and taps Darren Till, which is similar to Usman stopping Burns. And now all of a sudden we're talking about at the time is Woodley the greatest welterweight of all time is Usman the greatest welterweight of all time. Now, if Usman doesn't do what Ty Woodley does and lose five straight rounds, he could be the great. He, we could. I think we could have that conversation right now. But the parallels are there, and it's uh, we had it. No one. I hadn't heard anyone talk about it until the fight was over. Anyway, last thing I would like to point out: without GSP, Kamar Usman's wouldn't exist because Kamar Usman's they watch those GSP fights. They go, okay, 
that's how you mix everything together. And that's how yeah. I mean, you don't, you, there's no Kamar Uzman without GSP. And, um, I'm, and this is just strictly from a skill set level and like strategy level because GSP kind of, you know, he, he opened up new, like new ways of thinking about the sport as far as, um, training and how to mix your martial arts. So, um, and I think that's the thing that people miss. And like, if you weren't watching GSP as it happened, his evolution was as big a part of his story as anything, right? Like he was every fight adding stuff. We actually like, he helped your average fan understand what it took to become an elite fighter and to grow into a dominant champion. So like that was always part of his narrative and what was kind of amazing about it and why I think he's so special to a lot of fans. He's also one of the, for as, as much as Connor, like people talk about Connor bringing the, like the suit and everything to press conferences. George is doing that forever. Like George is really yeah. the first champion fighter that would like dress to the nines at every single media event. Like when he Canadian. squares off with Johnny Hendricks. Yeah. When he squares off with Johnny Hendricks and he has like the full suit, like clean shaven hair, and Johnny's like two hundred pounds, like wearing a Reebok shirt and yeah. flip flops. Like <laughs> whatever the free the free swag they get when they check in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, George was way ahead of its time. And I think it's telling that in 2021, we still want to see him fight the current champion. I know. And I like, I'm interested in that fight. I hate to say it. Danny went through a lot of emotions as a Canadian during that fight against Bisping. (laughs) It was the most unprofessional I've uh, (laughs) 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 It was probably the second most. I was like, I won't say who I was sitting next to, but like, Usman Covington, like, I am not someone, like, I I hate, I, I don't like the shtick, I don't like anything about what Colby Covington represents, I, I don't care what MMA fans say, I don't like him, and that one was, I was pretty actively rooting for Usman, but, like, was I sitting next to you? I sat next to you at that press conference. There was right? someone else who, I, I can't, without revealing who they are, like, <laughs> at one point, I, like, I, yeah, it was, that fight, I just really didn't want Colby Covington to win. Because I was like, if, if I have to cover this guy, yeah, like as champion, <laughs> this is gonna like for me personally. Forget the like, that's just gonna suck. There are so many, yeah. There, there are so many fighters who I secretly wish ill on, just because I don't want to. I just don't want to deal with the stories. <laughs> you know, Dude, imagine <laughs> a mat like I didn't like after because I spent ten days in Las Vegas for Maymac. And by day eight, I was like, imagine if Connor won. Do I want to cover a sport? And do I want to live in a world where Connor McGregor knocks out Floyd Mayweather? Because, hey, I wouldn't particularly care. It wouldn't affect my life, but like the fans and the stories and the narratives that just come out, I'm like, enough. Enough is enough. But yeah, I didn't care who won my, that fight. I also knew Connor wouldn't win. My, my blood pressure, like, just like, I don't know, went off the charts. I don't know. When you said that, I was like, oh God. <laughs> yeah. Imagine a world. It's like when like when they were talking about Connor fighting Pacquiao, because Pacquiao's on like the wrong side of 40 at this point and gets hit a lot. People are like, imagine if Connor knocks out Manny Pacquiao. I was like, don't put that into the ether, sirs and ma'ams. Anyway. Thank you for the questions. However, we got off on that tangent. Yeah. Imagine it's Imagine if, Car- if if the UFC can actually pull off a UFC in Africa, and imagine it's like that's what's truly missing from guys like Kamar Usman. Think think about GSP, but without Canada, it's different. Think yeah. of Connor without Ireland, it's different. It's just you know they're just really good you fighters. Need it, you man, need those. 
you need those like when Darren Tilby, Wonderboy, and Liverpool in the yeah, place yeah. went berserk. Yeah, we, like you we, need that. Or like when Kane was what they wanted Kane to do in Mexico. Like yeah. Danny, your sister lived in Africa, right? Is that yeah, my sister was in Swaziland for four or five years. Um I, yeah, so I've been. Um like honestly, like either Nairobi or Nigeria, like realistically, like I guess you they might want to do South Africa. Like I don't exactly know, but like Lagos or or Nairobi would realistically be the two spots to go to. And like I don't think people can understand, like forget GSP in Canada. Like I honestly think that it would be um the coolest event in UFC history. I just think it would be bonkers. There's a video of Migos playing bad and bougie, like in Oh, I've seen it. Yeah. And like I just envision that. Like I just I I mean, yeah. Let's. Uh, I uh, Israel Adesanya seems convinced it would be Morocco or Johannesburg for the first UFC Africa. I know Johannesburg's technically South Africa, but uh, Which, he yes, said that they I, would have the they would have the infrastructure and everything to hold the events. It's wherever the arena is. Like I don't think yeah. that they have a ton of need for basketball and hockey arenas. Yeah, necessarily in yeah. in Africa. I think they're, they're, South they're, Africa's South Africa's held a World Cup, so they. They can hold these massive events. Yeah. Oh, and like their stadiums are like I've been to the stadiums in South Africa. Like they are those stadiums are amazing. I just don't know how reliably you can hold an outdoor event. Yeah. In and I, I can and just because I don't know Africa because I haven't been there. Cause I wonder because Africa is freaking gigantic. You know, it's like when you say yeah, Asia, yeah. Asia. It's like half the half half the land. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really wonder because Morocco is very northern. Africa and Johannesburg are very southern. So that's like almost saying, oh, let's have an event in the Americas, you know, New York compared to Rio de Janeiro. I mean, I feel like they're that far apart, you know? And it, and it is. And that's like the interesting thing is, I mean, Cameroon and then obviously Usman and, and Adesanya and Nigeria are both like Northwestern. Like, yeah. Um, that's why I think Morocco so like, makes sense. Morocco, or I mean, ultimately, like, right. Nigeria is a like, if it's not the most populous country in Africa, it's probably number two. I just, I don't know how, what their infrastructure is in terms of hosting an event. But I do think like there, Nairobi would be sick, but that's East Africa. Yeah. Um, either way, they have to do it. Like, I think it's pretty clear that. They like, can have three African, three African born champions within the, in the next they, month and a half. They, That'd they be could crazy. have three African born champions. So, uh, Sadiq Youssef is still out there. Uh, the individual, and I can't pronounce his last name, who's fighting, uh, Carlos Alberg, is also uh, represents Nigeria. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a ton of fights. And the heavyweight boxing champion of the world who holds four of the six belts is also Nigerian of, of Nigerian descent, Anthony Joshua. Uh, so there, the combat sports world is pretty much being dominated by uh, Nigerian, and, well, African, specifically Nigerian. Oh, who's uh, that, like... Who's and, that like, dude? there's a history like rumble in the jungle is argu- arguably the most famous boxing fight of all time like it's happened with combat sports before right mm-hmm. yeah right, let's do it it's, co- it's called a brutes of fight make a t-shirt let's go i think go. all of us also <laughs> want to go cover it and oh dude so i would love oh, without a doubt. i would love oh, yeah. yeah 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 oh i think i think I'm, i think i'm good on abu dhabi um <laughs> <laughs> until they open up the water park unless we can go to the water park again because i don't know if any, if because poor Jose has been the what you've been you've been down to Yaz Island like twenty times spent, now and have, haven't gone to the I water spent, park yet. I spent eight weeks of two thousand of the last twelve months in Abu Dhabi. 
And like in one specific hotel in Abu Dhabi, really, Ooh. right? Yes, one very specific hotel. All right, let's fly through these now. Doo, doo, doo. <laughs> Who is Leon Edwards going to fight now from Daniel Pompilio on Twitter? Danny, if you had your choice, real quick, who does he fight? I mean, I, I'd i like to see him fight Covington, to be honest. like it's I, I, I'd like to see him fight a number one contender who we know is a number one contender. Let's see if Leon Edwards really is as good as we think he is or not. That's the only thing I'm interested in. I don't need him fighting anyone on the rise. Just let's see. If he deserves the title shot, I want to know that, and then I want that fight to happen. And if Covington, can, oh yeah, that's the fight. obviously that's the fight. If Covington, if Covington, if whoever wins, legitimately has should be fight should fight Usman. If Edwards wins, dude, you did it. If Covington wins, that means you know you lost to Usman, but you fought a very competitive fight. You beat Tyrone Woodley, Ty, Tyrone Woodley handily, and then you would, I guess, beat Leon Edwards. Yeah, you've earned your rematch. So uh, that's the fight absolutely that makes sense. Um, Covington basically is turning it down because I mean. I don't know why. What's his reason? I think he wants to fight. I think he wants to coach tough against Masvidal. He wants to coach tough. All right. My well, thing it's is, also Leon Edwards, di- there's more questions for Covington, in my opinion, than fighting Masvidal, anyways. Like, I, but yeah, it's, I think uh, Dan, so. Dana keeps talking about Usman Covington. Um, Usman keeps talking about Usman Burns, so it's like, and of course, Mott Edwards is just the last man out. Wouldn't hate if he fought um, uh, Wonder Boy either. No, that'd be good. Has all that all that I care about for Leon Edwards is that whoever faces Leon Edwards next, the winner is in line for a title shot. Mm-hmm. That, that fair, that's fair to say. And that's mm-hmm. why I think Covington. I agree. Yeah, Covington. Covington. That's why Covington and Wonder Boy to me both work. Um, am I missing somebody? Yeah, I think that's yeah. Maybe Mazda, yeah, but not really. It. Yeah, but I think that's it. Yeah, make it happen, Dana. Give the fans what they want. Give me what I want. Uh, la 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 la. I like this question. New divisions, Matt Bradbury. Which divisions <coughs> needs to be made the most? Adam weight, which would be one one hundred five, uh, one sixty five, or one ninety five. What would you name the one sixty five, one ninety five divisions? Personally, I would call them bruiser weight and cruiser weight. Who would you see as the champion in each of these divisions if they were made this year or or would fight for the vacant belt? Uh, so Adam Way would be obviously 105. I would add, personally add that one over 165 or 195. Uh, one six, I would just make 165 the new welterweight. And then uh, one, no, 165 would be a different way. 175 would be welterweight. Yeah. 185 would be middleweight. 195 would be cruiserweight. So you just need a 165. Uh, it would have to be something like super lightweight or something like that, like in boxing. Because uh, Bruiserweight, I believe, is probably copywritten by the WWE <laughs> for Pete Dunne. For Pete Dunne. Uh, so, yeah, that's it would have to be like super lightweight or light welterweight or something weird and like, like that. To answer directly, like, I don't I think this is a no brainer. It's 165. Like, yeah. I, I think there are more fighters at 170 and 155 than there are at light heavyweight and, and, and what have you. So, like, Everywhere, for yeah. me, yeah, you just you have more mass, like more more fighters ready to go. More fighters would benefit, as you said. It's not that hard to make just a one seventy five division. You're fixed, just like that. You get an extra division in arguably the deepest weight classes. For me, it's a no brainer. Uh, yeah, I would go. Here's how you get the one sixty five pound division added. You just tell Dana White that no one wants it, and then he'll add it. 
Hey, that's your job. Ne- ne- next next press conference, like, Dana, great card, great pay-per-view. Uh, I just want to say uh, I hate the 165 weight class. It sucks. Like, and no, everyone no, else agrees. Nobody wants everyone, it. Hey, guys, do we, the, we, do we all hate it? Yeah, we hate 165. I know it doesn't exist, but we hate it. Just saying. You know who hates it? <laughs> Ara Hawani hates the 165 division. Yeah, like, we're adding 165. <laughs> Ar- Ariel and That's Bob Aram just do a podcast about talking how much they love, I mean, how much they hate 165. Well, they hate 165. Yeah. Definitely. That's how you get it done. Uh, Good question. Just- uh, as of who would be champion, I think it'd be pretty similar. I think we could have a lot more champ champs. I think, does Uzman go up or down? Where does Uzman go? I'd say 175. You probably, they'll probably give him the 175, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then, and then of course Connor signed for 165. 100. Uh, Dustin Poirier would probably be 165. Well, you need two people. Well, Connor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. I think Dustin would be the 165 champ. No, no, but Connor is going to fight for the 165 belt. The yeah, 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 was, yeah, That's yeah, what yeah, I mean. That's, yeah, that's winning fair. is another story, but. Is Gaslam yeah. one seventy five and finally? Yeah, probably. That's a good get. That's a real good point. I hadn't even thought about that. Do I think? Yeah, I th- probably. I think Izzy can make one seventy five. Hundred percent. I think Izzy can make one seventy five. I too. think when John was fighting it, because before his big bulking phase, I think John can make one ninety five. John Possibly. Jones would weigh in at like John Jones would weigh in at like two or three just to make a point half the time. So I, th- I think I think if they added a 195 division and a 225 division, I think John holds all three belts. No, that, that you're, okay, that's crazy talk. I think he can compete. I think he could compete in those classes, but uh, he he, sure. yeah, he could compete. I will give you that. Let's see I also think John Jones could, could win the heavyweight division. Uh, let's see him beat Francis before we go down. There. Let's see, let's see John, Francis let's see. beat Stipe first. Let's see John fight a heavyweight and check a kick from a heavyweight. Let's see that. That's that's because he's talking about like there's a yeah. It's like heavyweights are heavyweights. Yeah, you know, I'm just, there's a lot of yeah. Um, let's just see John fight. What's that? Yeah, I mean, let's yeah, just see John. Fight. I don't. I don't care. Just fight anybody. I just want to see John Jones fight. Yeah, that's all. Um, One sixty five. That's it. That's your answer. Do 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 do. Next, next after Jan versus Aljo, it's an interesting time in Bantamweight. You have, and then this Trumbo, a long-time commenter, lists them out, deserving contenders like Sanhagen and Font, who are not big names or draws. Then you have big names like TJ and Dom fighting in a few weeks. Also, potentially, you've got Cody versus uh, Aldo. And with a win win in that one, Cody could potentially jump the line as well. Who actually is going to be get the next title shot? Are Sanhagen and Font going to get passed over in favor of bigger names? Probably Probably and unfortunately, I think we would all like to see. I think Corey did an interview with our own David Martin, who said he would fight TJ Dillashaw next, just so he doesn't skip the queue, because he doesn't want TJ versus Uriah, just so TJ can get an easy win, and then that's the reasoning he gets a title fight. But I don't know, Danny. What do you think? You've seen all. You've seen similar situations play out in various weight classes over the years, like. It seems to me, and, like, this is not based on any reporting, but, like, obviously what they would like to do is have Garbrandt be next, right? Like, if if he can jump. They, they love him. Um, you know, the losses to TJ do have big asterisks on them now. Um, I would be furious if they went with TJ. Like, I do think that there need to be repercussions to what happened, and they're ideally go win a couple fights, prove you can do it without, and, you know, test negative a bunch of times. Um 
I, I, I think that re- it's not unreasonable given that they what they were doing with Cody before every he got hurt. It's not unreasonable to assume that if Cody Garbrandt wins his next fight, he's fighting for the belt match. But that just seems the way the UFC goes, it, it aligns with everything we know about them. I think it's going to depend on who wins between Jan and Aljo because Jan's already talking about TJ Dillashaw and Aljamain Sterling and Cody Garbrandt have had serious issues in the past over uh, alleged what certain individuals have allegedly said that we're not privy to those private conversations. But if Aljo wins and they want to do the Cody matchup just because there's history of beef there, would have surprised me. And then the current champion, Jan, is already calling for a TJ Dillashaw fight. So I think like, like last week, Casey, when we asked which fight we're most excited for at 259, Alex Abs and I both said Jan Aljo because it opens up so many. It answers so many questions after that fight moving forward. So I think it just depends on who wins. And unfortunately for Sanhagen and Font, they're just extremely high-level martial artists that are winning at the right time but just aren't the biggest names. What I think is interesting about this question, though, is we kind of accept that Sanhagen and Font aren't big names or draws. But everyone else mentioned yeah. TJ, Dom, Cody, Aldo are big names. All those are former champs, essentially. Mm-hmm. Can you become a big name at bantamweight without becoming a champ? I don't think so. I don't. Yeah, think Sugar Sean did. But briefly, but yeah, I, I, I think it's very. I think it's very. No, good. I think it's a good question. Um, I mean, because what does Sanhagen need to do? Because I like, clearly. Because you know, we mentioned earlier, oh, if Gilbert Burns wants to fight for the title, all he's got to do is win. Well, what is Sanhagen doing? He's winning and winning freaking super impressively and super violently. Exactly what fight fans want. And yet the next week we're going, yeah, I don't know. He's not a big enough name. You know, we all agree Corey Sanhagen should fight for the title next. Like that's a no brainer. We're talking about what probably will happen. But yeah, but what so, what take for the UFC though? I mean, that's I guess from the UFC's perspective. I think why? he needs a, a win over one of these guys. I think he needs a win why, over. But why one he of just be Frank? Yeah, that's why. It's just so weird. He just there's literally nothing Sandy gonna done uh, other than not have an off night and lose against Aljo. I guess. But even if he even mm-hmm. if he, even if he were knocked out, I guess if he were knocked out Aldo, he would be uh, Aljo. No, Aljo. 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 Um, I guess he would have – it would be Jan Algermain. Sorry. Um, yeah. Jan well, also because remember but. when when Jan fought Jose, Jose Aldo on Fight Island, both Jose and Peter Jan said, whoever wins is going to fight Algermain next. Mm-hmm. Like they said that before the fight even happened. So like I think it was established between both men that if whoever, if we win, Sterling's up next. Which like – and that's the thing. Everything you're saying about Sanhagen, Sterling was in that position – what six months ago where it it just Mm -hmm. seemed he couldn't get the title shot no matter what he did and i do think part of that is like we for like you know we lived it but like the tj cody dom like triangle that went on for a couple years there was like the most popular bantamweights ever been it like people genuinely i would even throw uriah in there and make it a square yeah yeah for for sure yeah you're part of that too yeah a couple years removed from those guys being like arguably top 15 stars in this sport um, to a certain extent. So I understand that the UFC still wants to use what they built there from a marketing perspective. I'm not saying it's right, but I assume that's what this is, right? Probably. Yeah. My whole thing Probably. is like... Plus, like also, Dominic Cruz is matched up with Casey Kenny, who's a tough fight. Like he's looked really impressive 
said something really stupid on a on a podcast with a fellow bantamweight, but Casey Kenny is not an easy win. Like if Casey Kenny beats Dominic Cruz, that's another name we have to include in this list of uh, bantamweights that could be fighting for a title. I think, but but I don't think we consider Casey Kenny in that elite status. Yeah, I think we consider him kind of like prospect because he lost you know? to Mar- because he lost to Marab Davalishvili, who is again another bantamweight that is on the rise because he went, he's holds the record for most takedowns. He broke the record for most takedowns in a bantamweight fight. The person he beat was his own record, so he has like the top two fights of most takedowns in a single fight. And uh, interesting cat trains with Aljo, so I doubt they'll fight for. I'll but that's the thing. each other unless it's for a title. This generation that's on the come up, at some point, they just need to beat this last generation. And I, I don't know that the TJs and Garbrandts are ready to move on, but like that's the way you take their place is by beating those guys. And the UFC, it's just on them to make those matches. Yeah, it's, 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 to me, it's on the UFC. It's on the UFC to accept that we need to build up the next generation. And um, Yeah, it feels weird when we get the – like Gilbert Burns and Kamaru made all the sense in the world in terms of ranking and like who deserves what it felt like an anomaly in like the last few years where the champion just fights the number one contender, regardless of like name value. Like that's why Max Holloway was such an awesome champion. He's like Brian Ortega. Cool. Volkanovsky. Cool. Like next man up. So like Usman and Holloway and Habib too. like next guy up. Cool. That's the great thing. I, I like those kind of champions, but Dude, I guess Ortega's certainly, when you asked earlier, I guess he's kind of. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, he won and got back to it. Oh, yeah, Ortega. Ortega, you're right. Yeah, that's a real good point. Good member, good get. Well, who's gotten a title shot after a loss and not been just just devastatingly handsome? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the last yeah. time I ran Brian Ortega, I was outside a hotel wearing a full-flowered onesie. At three in the morning, and I just come from this party in New York, and Ortega was there, and I was like, "No, I don't want to be seeing this guy right now." <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Do you remember when you and I saw Brian Ortega coming back from his weight cut for the Frankie Edgar fight, Danny? Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't. I, dead. I was like, "Y'all want to see a dead body?" Because Brian Ortega couldn't even could walk, not even walk in a straight line. No. I was so confident Frank would win after after seeing that, and then he blew me away. Dude, drunk. It's fu- one of those things okay. where, if like people saw that, they'd be like, "This guy shouldn't fight." Like, <laughs> oh, this is this should not be. But credit to him, he went out and great performance. <laughs> All right. What's next for Colby? So similar question from yeah. Trinsquare Day. In your opinion, what do you see next happening for Colby Covington? An interview with Submission Radio. Shout out to Casper uh, and Dennis. Uh, he said, disinterested in fighting Leon Edwards on March 13th card. Can you see Colby getting what he wants in either the rematch against Usman or fights, fighting an old teammate in Masvidal? Diaz also brought up, which I wouldn't be mad at for entertaining purposes, or does Colby just sit on the sidelines and let the welterweight division play out where where he says he just wants what he deserves? So, the answer is either, and I think what's going to happen is Usman or Masvidal. I don't think he fights Leon Edwards. I don't think they're giving him Usman yet. I think they want, like, I think they want to do Masvidal ideally, right? Like, there's money there. Probably. Masvidal's stars faded a little bit. Um, it's I, I, as I said earlier. I think Leon Edwards is the right fight. Can I ask you guys one question? Shoot. Is like. I will argue that the greatest press conferences of all time have always been Diaz McGregor. 
Diaz, Colby Covington. Is it the worst press conference of all time? Like, can Diaz save, like, their energy? How does that work out? Does the Covington shtick work anymore, though? What's I the, don't know. What's, what, it, you it, guys it, live there, not me. Oh, <laughs> 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 it feels like a foreign country to um, me too. <laughs> well, I think. Do you remember after Diaz beat Pettis? I think it was Kevin Ioli asked like Diaz if you would fight Colby Covington next if the fight was made, and Diaz was like, like he said it in so he was so disrespectful, and to the point where I honestly believed what he said. He's like, who? He's like, I don't know who that is, man. <laughs> like he had no yeah. idea who Colby Covington is, and I I want to believe that's true. Yeah, and I also think he would just cut through the bullshit a little bit. Oh yeah, I'd just be curious to see them on stage together. I like I, I like the idea of Nate versus Colby at 170. I think that's a, obviously a winnable fight for Colby, um, and it will be interesting. It would just be interesting. Um, yeah, I, I like it. Uh, I and, be, and, like, think, I, I and I just only, don't know what the press conference would be like. It'd be just weird. The problem with making that fight is I think, and I think Diaz is at the point where like Colby Covington could headline an ESPN card and it would be, it would make sense. I think Diaz is a pay-per-view fighter only. Oh yeah. Now. Yeah. I agree. So, yeah. and I don't think he's going to want to fight in a co-main event unless like, like he said, he wants what he's worth and he wants to headline pay-per-views. He fought Pettis at the co-main event because he respected it was the heavyweight championship of the world on the line. And he really likes DC and uh, uh, DC and Steve Bay. So he was like, yeah, makes sense. I'll fight co-main event for this fight. There are the number of fights that Diaz would accept a co-main event slot is you probably count on one hand. There's no way he'd fight on, a, especially in close to his weight class. Like he's, there's no way he fights a co-main event if Masvidal or Usman is in the main event, or if Connor's in the main event, if Poirier's in the main event. So, if the UFC wants to do Colby Covington, Nate Diaz, it's going to ha- probably have to be a main event fight, unless like the heavyweight championship of the world is in the main event. Yeah. Is Col is Colby and Connor ever is that a possibility? I wouldn't say probably not. Just because of the style, the, the UFC would never risk yeah. that. Like Colby cooks him, cooks him, or just just kind of just cooks him. No, like, he like, cooks like, him. Like, like he finishes, like finishes him, or just gonna be one of those like how like just one of those fights where he just only gets pressed against the cage for twenty five minutes, and you know. No, I think he would go similar to the Woodley fight. I don't know if Covington knocks him out or like the Lawler fight where Covington just doesn't stop. He just doesn't stop walking forward. Well, and that's why I, to go back to this, it's like, what's the best fight for Colby as a fighter? It's the, the best fighter in the division. Who's not Usman. Like I want to like Colby's amazing as a fighter. And I want to see him fight the best. In my opinion, that's Leon Edwards. That's my answer. But like, yeah, for, for Covington, he may be at the point in his career where he also wants the money fights. I understand that. But, like, as a fan, as someone who covers the sport, give me the the best possible fighter for a guy I consider to be one of the best fighters in the world, too. Like, that's my honest answer is yeah. give me Colby Covington versus the best. Yeah, Colby Covington, Leon Edwards is a fight that makes sense on paper, and we all agree that's probably what should be done next if they're doing Usman Masvidal. Just, I think Leon Edwards is the most unlucky fighter in the history of the UFC <laughs> in terms of <laughs> what's played out over the last 12 months. So I just don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. As long as it doesn't fall tough, that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got I got to see Colby Covington and Hori Maswell have a go-kart race. It's like, that's going to decide. <laughs> that's going to squash the beef. 
Colby commentary. Let's have him play Giant Jenga. Freaking tough. All right. A couple more. A couple more. Oh, wait. Did we just answer this? Oh, wait. Who plays this cat? Oh, wait. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, the Hamzat thing. No, yeah, Hamzat. Actually, um, yeah, we've answered all. Yeah. Uh, Who replaces Hamzat against Leon? We oh, all yeah. probably think it should be. Kiesa yeah, yeah. is, did he just have surgery or something? Warner Boy's hurt. Kiesa's hurt. I think uh, Vicente Luque's fighting Woodley outside the top 10. I like, again, it should be Covington and Leon. Like, I like yeah, all like, those fights, but. Edward should be fighting anyone outside of the top 10. Okay, but. Um, yeah. What's going on with Hazmat? Um, that sounds very Hamza. scary. Hamza, that sounds very scary. He still has. He's still feeling the effects of COVID, and according to Dana White, they're flying him out to Las Vegas to get medical treatment in the states. That's pretty dang bad. <laughs> That's really bad. They got to find to the other side of the world to take care of this man. Who? Well, I, I didn't read the uh, article. What his teammates said that he thought he, they thought he was going to die. It was that Hamza was, thought he was going. Hamza thought he was going to die. That's based on like the, freak, that's not good. That is not and it's good. Like breathing. Long issues, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I I haven't fought three amateur fights, but I think breathing <laughs> is very important for a fighter. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. Might be speaking out of my out of turn here, but um, I really hope this doesn't have long term effects because we've seen lots of articles that these long haulers, and um, I I know we we fought. We can't say it publicly because of privacy issues, but I think we all know of some other fighters out there who have also been having long-term issues, not as public as um, Shemaev has been because they have fights booked, but um, this is a real issue coming no, up. You know man. what the other issue is too, is they're in Las Vegas uh, and Abu Dhabi. If your coach, if your cornerman tests positive, mm-hmm. you're out. Yeah. Just for precautionary. So if Hamzad is sick, which me and his coach gets sick, if his coach is scheduled to corner someone, like Hamzat trains at Gustafson. Say Gustafson has a fight lined up. Hamzat tests positive. His coach tests positive. Gustafson's out regardless. Or they pulled a fight where it was like Neil Magny and was it the Neil? I think it was Neil Magny. It was either Neil Magny or Ian Heinrich or some something like that where they went to say hi to a coach in the lobby of a hotel. Like the fighter went to go say hi to a, co- a former coach. The coach tests positive. So then they almost stopped the Neil Magny fight, I believe it was, be- just because he went up and gave him like a handshake. So I think that this the it's a spider web of problems if fighters mm-hmm. test. And I will say that like for elite athletes, like we saw in the NFL, guys who tested positive weren't the same for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Like there weren't really examples. So like I do think like it's it's worth, and I don't think it's fun to speculate about, and I you know I don't know that that's our job, but like. You have to worry about this guy, whether he'll ever be the same at this point. Yeah. I mean, look at what young upstart NBA all-star Jason Tatum is dealing with after testing, after he tested positive for COVID. He said he was still having breathing problems. Shout out to the Boston Celtics. All right. We're going to fly through some YouTube. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. fire. Here we go. Bilal Muhammad's still not getting any respect. We remember his name. What does he want? Jeez. <laughs> remember the name. He said himself he's in the same situation as Benil Darius, the high-risk, low-reward. Do you agree, Danny? Yeah. I don't know yeah. how much to add to it. It sucks to be in that position. He deserves better. Um, hopefully his next fight is better. 
Actually, um, it's all about the leech. I actually really like that fight against Lee Jiliang. Uh, unfortunately yeah. for Muhammad, um, he needs a he needs to flatline someone. Um, mm-hmm. He can't. He can't. He's an like he, you know he's gonna be an exciting fight, but he needs to not be an exciting fight. He needs to just dominate somebody and like oh well that was not, that wasn't competitive before I think um, people are going to give him any respect like he says or like this um the prince suggests. Jet Mer- Jet match. When will Stipe retire? If he wins, he goes after the Jones fight. He'd be crazy not to. If he loses, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him fight again. The answer is whenever he wants. If Stipe loses to Francis, there's a rubber match right there. Yeah, he doesn't seem like he wants to fight for that much longer, mm-hmm. though, does he? No. Like, I, I think Stipe is. It's. I don't think he actually cares about you know fighting. I mean, I'm sure he enjoys the competition, but I think it now it's a. It's a battle of uh, in his mind between um, brain damage versus bank account, and I think uh, I think that's that's where he's at. You know, you fight guys like Francis, you fight, assuming John Jones is just gonna be just as good a heavyweight. You know, you fight John Jones. You know, you're gonna get hit in the head, and but you're also gonna make a lot of money. So that's where that's where I think that's where his life is right now because he has kids, a family, and Stepe ain't Stepe ain't ain't stupid. So. Um, yeah, get that get that money, and I think once his bank account has enough zeros, then he retires. And that's why I do think those are the only two fights really that make sense for him to take anymore. He doesn't need to be fighting, you know, Derek Lewis on short notice to save the UFC next time they go to MSG. You know what I mean? Unless they want, unless he who unless he wants to, who does Max fight next? I'm a weirdo, and I don't, I don't, I don't care if he fights the winner of um, Volkanovski and um, Ortega. I don't care either. I, I know people are like, oh, third time, whatever. Rematch for if Ortega wins. I think, I think to me, if I'm Max, I want Ortega to win because I think the rematch makes Ortega Max would make a hundred percent sense, right? I think, I yeah. think people, I think people like that. And then, Vol- and then you know the storyline coming out of it. Volkanovski loses to Brian. He's like, how come I don't get a rematch when I fought Max right away? Like that's going to be the big storyline. Like Volkanovski wins, it's going to be who should Brian fight? Should we give him Max because Max beat him, or should we give Volkanovski the rematch because he fought Max on the rematch? So I, I can already see the storylines coming out with the Brian win. Uh, la, la, la. Um, come on, give him some, give him some good questions, kids. The Luke Woodley. I- the Luke Willie that got made, right? Yeah. Okay. That's right. that's good to go. Danny, I'll ask you a question. We yeah. don't see it on the completely unrelated to mixed martial arts. Yeah. Uh Casey, you know the question I'm gonna ask. Oh, yeah, yeah, ask yeah. All of our, this is important. Yeah. All of our first nine, all of the guests we've ever had for the first time on the show get asked the same question. Yeah. If you had an ice cream cannon for an arm, a la Mega Man, and you had to pick one flavor, to one flavor. <laughs> to solve world hunger what do you pick and keep in mind it is not a continuous stream of soft serve it's like a scoop cannon so it's like but i just get to walk around and feed people yeah dog (laughs) think about Um, it think about it don't 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 rush it you only get you know one shot you get one shot at this and there are incorrect answers okay um Oh, and in this, because we've had people question, we've had people ask questions. In this hypothetical world where this ice cream cannon is possible, lactose intolerance and dairy intolerance does not exist. 
Okay, so that's the thing. I am slightly lactose intolerant, so I don't really eat that much ice cream. So that's like that's worth just noting here. Big gelato <laughs> fan. <laughs> gelato. <laughs> love gelato. Don't love ice cream. Um, honestly, though, when I this guy clearly isn't from America. Jeez, America loves ice cream, man. Ice cream. <laughs> we talked about how cold it is here. Like, I haven't yeah. had ice cream in eight months. This is like, if you asked me for, like, hot chocolate, I'd come at you with some, some hot recommendations. But, uh, no, I mean, like, I really like, like, if I'm at the grocery store and I'm like, okay, I'm treating myself, get some ice cream. I, I like score, you know, like S-K-O-R, uh, like with the chunks in my ice cream. Um so I, 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 that's my favorite ice cream. And I ultimately, like, I don't know what the hungry people of the world want, but I want them to have chunks of chocolate bars in their ice cream. So that's that's my call. See, that's a good answer because I broke it down where if you're going to solve world hunger, you want an ice cream that is filling. The one that has a lot of chunks of various other shrap- like chocolate shrapnel in it. My answer for yeah. a long time was cookies and cream. Pizza Carol had the incorrect answer saying vanilla because that's just a stupid – that's a waste of a flavor. Kristen King also had an incorrect answer and said mint chocolate chip because she wants negativity on the world and that's the worst ice cream flavor in the no. world. Uh, mute, mute yourself. <laughs> um, I thought so, – so for a long time it was cookies and cream. And then I asked this question to Israel Adesanya and he – Give a very scientific answer. And he said Neapolitan because that's chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry in one scoop. And I was like, damn, you're operating on a totally different wavelength than me. You could give options. Like say someone just wants the strawberry, just wants the chocolate, just wants this, like the vanilla and all that stuff. So I changed my answer to Neapolitan. And my thing is I flat out like the problem with my score is like, like I don't buy ice cream. So I was just like, kind of making that up. Um, um, but like I do not like chocolate ice cream at all. I don't like chocolate anything other than chocolate chocolate. Like I don't want chocolate flavored anything unless it's pure chocolate. Wow. So, yeah. So I'm assuming that score is like a vanilla base with a lot of like chocolate bar flavor tossed in there. But yeah. You've never had a score bar and your answer is score ice cream? No, I've never had I don't like I, I haven't bought ice cream oh, as an adult. I bought gelato, but like with gelato I'd get like yeah, I get fruit flavors for gelato. There you go. I, I don't, Casey, what was your I answer? Like, I don't I, know how else to say this. I, I enjoyed the mint. I enjoyed the mint chocolate chip because the mint is like sharp and it will cut people. It's like it will slice through people. Oh, so you can use it as a weapon. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm out here. We're trying this. to solve world hunger, and Casey's out here. Well, you know how you solve world hunger? You have less people. Oh, you less people to not. feed. Yeah. Thanos was right. Thanos was right, he said. (laughs) With that, we're going to end this week of the A-Side Live Chat. We went way over time. That's because we had some excellent conversations. Danny, as per usual, the fl- whatever you want to plug, whatever you want to say, whatever you could, do, you don't doesn't even have to be about MMA. You can say whatever you want. The floor is yours. Thanos was right. That's it. <laughs> People don't need to follow me. To be honest, like I don't tweet about MMA that much, so any MMA fan is just going to be unfollow me in a week. So yeah. Hey, Danny, I like those weights behind. What are those? Like you have those, those old concrete dumbbells? Like yeah, I got that. I got this, and then I got ten pound weights that I yeah, don't yeah. really use that much. Yeah, go, yeah. Do some curls for us, man. Way out to curl. There we go. Yeah. There you go. Three <laughs> amateur fights right here. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> don't, don't, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. We'll be this will be on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the podcasts as Danny continues to curl his weights. We'll see you next Wednesday, guys. We're out. <laughs> hey, you stopped. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Ability and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.